It's car con carne. Let's eat in the car. It's car con carne. And it's Carco and Carne. Welcome to, I thought today was Wednesday for the longest time. It's Tuesday. Welcome to Tuesday afternoon. Carco and Carne, sponsored by C&H Financial Services. Business owners are continuing to navigate through this new normal brought on by the coronavirus. And C&H Financial Services is here to help. They offer a variety of products ranging from traditional merchant accounts to a zero-cost payment processing solution, which eliminates the expense associated with accepting Visa, MasterCard, Discover, and American Express as a form of customer payment. C&H Financial Services ETAB Solutions, easy to set up for your business for online ordering and curbside pickup. They also offer cost-effective commercial lending programs, which can help get your business the money it needs to make it through these unprecedented times. To learn more, contact C&H Financial Services at 855-600-2437 or go to chfs.us. Now, this coming Saturday night, I, I will be there. I hope you will be too. It is the 30th anniversary of Pegboy. It is a drive-in show happening at SeatGeek Stadium in Bridgeview. I've been out there. It's a great spot. 30 years of Pegboy. Local H is on the bill. Jake Burns of Stiff Little Fingers and the Mighty Bull Weevils. Also performing Doors are at 5 this Saturday night. You can get your tickets. You really should at chicagodrivein.com. So the question today is, is the Glenrothes Distillery in Scotland haunted? Signs point to maybe. Uh, Shri Rao is the market manager for Edrington. He represents brands like McAllen, Highland Park, the famous Grouse, and more. And on that list, of course, is Glen Rothis. And that's where we're going to focus this episode. It's spooky time. It's Halloween time. Uh, let's start there. Is the All distillery right. haunted? Well, uh, supposedly not anymore. Uh, but it was for a long time, for, for quite a bit of time there. And explain what that means. Like when you say haunted, <laughs> were, were people mysteriously disappearing? Were they seeing apparitions at night? What does, what does that mean? So uh, Glen Rothis is a distillery that's been around for a very long time. It was started in 1879. And like anything in Scotland that's that old, uh, there's going to be ghosts and all sorts of craziness that's happened over a, a period of history like that. There's lore. There, there's, there are folk tales. There's... There, there's a lot of lore and a lot of, of uh, interesting things in their history from uh, the very beginning uh, to how they started uh, from the very first day the stills opened all the way through till the current day. So the story I've read about and heard about the lore I've heard is about a person named Byway who was B-Y-E-W-A-Y. Uh, yes. do, do you know that that story? Yeah, it's a it's one of the more famous stories about Glen Rothis. So Byway... Uh, never actually lived at or worked at Glen Rothis. He was an orphan boy uh, brought up to Scotland uh, by a man who lived uh, next door, a major grant. Uh, and he found Byway as an orphan in Africa, brought him to the, Glen Roth uh, to the village of Rothis in 1894. And he grew up in that area until he passed away around 1972 and then was buried in a cemetery that overlooks uh, the distillery. You know, it's a pretty small town. They're, they're, the cemetery is right there across the street. Well, there was some expansion at the distillery uh, in the later 70s. And the haunting started to be recorded in 79 when distillery, distillery workers 
uh, said that the distillery workers who knew Byway when he was alive and had known him for about 10 years before he passed said that they were seeing him walking around the distillery at night while they were there distilling at night. Okay. And so, but this has become almost like a ritual at the distillery, right? Like, isn't there a toast to buy way that happens there? Like oh. with every, with every tasting or. Yep. Yep. So everybody who visits always asks about by way, there's toast to buy way. Uh, and, and there is a happy ending here. Uh, what happened was, is the gentleman who was hired to investigate the story, uh, professor Cedric Wilson went and used some divining rods and walked around and, and he did not known by way, but he walked around and he found what appears to be that the distillery in Glenrothes is built over a ley line. Okay. And when they, so for those of you who don't know, a ley line is a, a, a thought to be an energy line of magical or mystical energy. And they, they, they lay across the earth and that's where the energy flows. So this distillery is built on a ley line. And apparently when they built a new still, when they added these new stills in 79, they screwed up the ley line and dug into it somehow and caused a problem. So this, this gentleman, Dr. Wilson took some iron, pig iron spikes and drove them into the ground to kind of like channel the ley line back into place. At which point he was visited by Byway and told that everything was good. And, and supposedly Byway has not been back since then, but to this day, people credit Byway with kind of saving the distillery, uh, by pointing out that this damage that they'd done to the ley line. And so there's still, you know, some reverence there for him. I want one of those jobs where, yeah, <laughs> I'll fix your, your psychic or supernatural issue. Just give me a couple minutes. I got some sticks. I'm going to channel things in a different direction. You'll be good after that. I want that gig. That's well, not saying that's a scam, but come on. Well, when, but when you go back and you look at the history, right? So like Glenn Rothis was founded in 1879. On December 28, 1879, the first spirit came off the Glenrothes distillery, the first time that those stills ran. Yeah. On that very day, the Tay Bridge in Scotland collapsed with a train on it. Jeez. <laughs> and 75 people died. It was one of the worst train disasters ever in Scotland to that point. Okay. And, and laughing just because it's such a dramatic, horrible thing. I mean, a century and a half has passed, so maybe we can giggle about it. I don't know. At time, time is enough. Time has elapsed. Uh, let's talk a little bit about, and I do love the lore. I, I, I think it's all kind of hokey, but I do love those stories, especially like the stories out of Europe. Those old, like almost yep. mythologies that are created and kind of invested, and in. people go all in on that stuff. I love it. Uh, let's talk a little bit about Glen Rothis because I have in my sweaty little hand a bottle of the 12. Yes. So we've got a couple Glen Rothis that we're going to taste here today. We got the Glen Rothis 12 that you have there. Yes. And then I poured you a little bit. You should have some Glen Rothis whiskey makers cut as well. Bingo. And we are going to have these whiskeys with some chocolates that were made for us by a friend of mine over at Mayana Chocolate by my buddy Chef Daniel to go because you know you can't do your whiskey tasting without a little bit of food element and believe it or not it's not just because it's october chocolate and whiskey go great together because of the vanilla notes and cinnamon and that kind of stuff exactly right? and then if you think about so what is a famous or a, a popular type of chocolate dessert that you would drink a chocolate malt yes right i would like that right now Malt whiskey is made 
from the same malt type of malt that you make a chocolate malt from. Of course. That makes perfect it's all sense. Malt. It's all malt. The sugars and the malted barley just work really well with chocolate and then work really well to make whiskey. I love this. And I was really, I, one of the reasons I'm, I'm thrilled to have you on right now, I really wanted to make sure I completely destroyed my ability to enjoy dinner later. <laughs> let's do this. <laughs> this let's should do, this. do that. Chocolate right. and scotch. Chocolate and scotch. So what, right. what am I, what am I pulling out first? Am I pulling, so, this looks so, so suspect. I've got my little. <laughs> you should little try looks. driving around with those things. <laughs> It's like a little something you took from the biology lab at the local high school. So the first one we're going to do is we are going to start with the Glenrothes 12. Which I have conveniently poured. So Glenrothes was actually founded by the former master distiller from the McAllen. And McAllen's known to be super big, super heavy, super rich scotch whiskey. And he wanted to make something of a lighter style. Got it. And so... The primary difference is going to be still size. So same barrel types, they're next door neighbors, same water source. They're right next to each other, but the difference is going to be your still, your still size. So the McAllen stills are short, about six feet tall and pretty fat. They're, they're short, fat stills. So a lot of the oils and those flavors are, it's easy for them to rise up because they don't have to go up as far. For the Glenrothes, tall, skinny stills. So you're only getting the, the most pure whiskey coming off the top. So it's going to be a lighter Excellent. fruitier style. Excellent. All right. So should we have the chocolate first? Is, is that? Uh, so I would say take a little bit of a sip of your whiskey. Uh-huh. Okay. Then take a second sip of whiskey. So the first sip is always, you always, when you're drinking whiskey, the first thing you do is you want to take a little bit of a sip first, just to get your, your body ready for it. Cause your body's kind of like, what are you doing to me? <laughs> Fair. Okay. That's really good. Oh yeah. Lots of cinnamon and, and, and the vanilla, but you also have a little bit of melon in there, which is where that, that fruitiness comes from. That's really good. And then I'm just going to take a, I'm going to eat about half of this. Now there are four different kinds here. I'm going to go. So the one you want, there's a card in there that should tell you yeah. which one to go with. Am I going with the one? Mm-hmm. Okay. Which is this one. Uh, these are beautifully made chocolates, by the way. Yeah, he's actually, he's, uh, I, I met the chef when he was in Chicago and uh, he's up in Spooner, Wisconsin now. Yep, that's it. Look at this. And this looks like, this looks like kryptonite, actually. It looks like something, a, a shard from the exploded planet Krypton that could take out Superman. Mm. <laughs> wow. Wow. And then I'll go back to the whiskey and then finish off the chocolate. Wow. And both the, the whiskey and the chocolate are exceptionally light. Mm-hmm. Like, wow. Mm. That round, I, I really just, got, I got how they work together. Yep. Oh, man. Wow. The, the, <laughs> Mayana, this is, this is legit. Oh, yeah. Wow. So okay. these are ones that he cuss. He does have chocolate that you can get in stores and stuff, but these are ones he made just for us for the Glenrothes uh, tastings. It's a good, good business partner to have. All right. So, so, now I'm, gonna, we... so I'm going to pour a little bit of the whiskey makers cut. So I'm, I'm just going to be drinking this right out of the biology flask. Oh, that's sure. Uh-huh. So one of the things about whiskey makers cut to know is it, it is a higher proofed whiskey. 
So we're at about, I think we're like 98 proof on this one. Okay. So we're getting up there. So typically a lot of your whiskey makers and whiskey enthusiasts, they like something. Uh, the, the primary difference between an 80 proof whiskey and hundred proof whiskey is going to be water. How much water they add. So when it comes out of the barrel, it's usually around 110, 115, and then you add water to bring it down to whatever proof you want. Got it. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. You're diluting it. You're diluting it. So when they want to make mass quantities of whiskey, they tend to add more. The The maximum, the, the lowest proof you can have is 80 and still be called a whiskey. So that's why you see some of these bigger, higher production whiskeys at 80 proof, because they can add the most amount of water and stretch their product the farthest it can go. That's super interesting. And that makes perfect sense but this is going to be a bit of a higher proof. And now you're going to get into a little bit more of those barrel flavors. You're going to get a little bit more nutmeg, some orange. And, and which chocolate will I be going for here? Will I be going for it's the... the round blue one? Got it. Hang on. Yeah, they are a little bit tough to get out of there. Look at this. This. I, I kind of want to shellac this and hang this on my wall. It, it's, it's lovely. <laughs> okay. So, Speaking of high school, this is how I feel doing this. Wow. Okay. So the salt mm -hmm. and the caramel and then really break it up. Mixing the two is just it's decadent and wonderful, and it makes perfect sense. These are perfectly paired. Wow. So one of the things he did was you do use some liqueur when you're making chocolates. Small amount, just like vanilla. You know, vanilla is a liqueur. So he used a little bit of the whiskey when he made these. So they're not like, they're not like those nasty whiskey or like you find that the duty-free, like the spirit filled chocolates that you bite into it and explodes and it's harsh. And, but he actually uses those are gross. Those are process. gross. Those right. are very gross. Yeah. I love it. Wow. So yeah, I want to hold this one up too. It's heart shaped. Yep. So that one, that's actually gonna be the last one we're going to do. Okay. So we're, now we're going to talk a little bit about Highland Park, which is our second distillery that goes with the chocolates. So Highland Park is Viking territory. You're in the Orkney Isles, which are north of the mainland of Scotland. It's the farthest north you can go in Scotland and it's the farthest north distillery in the world. Okay. And, and the they, gentleman who... There's Viking territory. So they believe in Thor. Oh, they believe in Thor. That's awesome. uh, they, re they released a release called Valknut a few years ago. There's all sorts of... Uh, runes and stuff on the bottle i love it that's uh so that's so metal and and the founder had a very well they they did a full uh they did a, a release with uh marshall a few years ago as in the amplifier yeah full that's volume awesome. that's so cool <laughs> they did a full volume release with marshall a few years ago all right that's awesome so they were they were founded by a guy in, you know you talk about viking territory magnus unsen is their founder not a very scottish name that's a very alpha male name. Yes, yes. So, and, and Magnus was a bit of a criminal. So it's called Highland Park because it was at the highest place in Scotland or on the island where they were at in Orkney. And 
the reason why they were at that highest place was so he could see when the tax collectors were coming. Because Magnus started distilling whiskey before he was caught was maybe 10 or 15 years, but they never got a license to actually distill until over 30 years after he was caught the first time. Okay. (laughs) I love this stuff. So the date of the founding of the distillery is actually based on when he was caught by the British government. That's fantastic. And now can you imagine if the distillery was actually in Highland Park, Illinois? Uh, it's, it's, it's interesting you say that though, because it's the number one spot for Highland Park in the state of Illinois (laughs) city. Yeah. I I picture like a Highland Park, Illinois distillery being mixed with a nice gelato or, or I don't know, a super green, something like that, like a, like a kale. No, these guys are a little bit more rough around the edges. So I love that. So Magnus also was a fake preacher. He had a church at the top and that was where he did his, his distilling at night was in the church. And he smuggled in and out of the church and through the graveyard and such. Uh, and that's where he hit his whiskey. And they say, so there's a, a famous whiskey writer and spirits writer in general named Paul Picult. And he went and traveled the world to find some of these ghost stories. And Paul says that he had a, a, a run-in with Magnus uh, in the distillery. And the, the Highland Park workers say that you will find him wandering around the distillery at night. What a character. I mean, these stories make Al Capone seem like a total lightweight. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, it's, like it's, the fake <laughs> the fake church, avoiding the tax collectors. That's fantastic. That, that's <laughs> that, that's great history there. Well, you go back hundreds of years and, 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 you know, it's in a lot of ways since I've been in this industry, I've noticed how much Scotland is like reminds me of Chicago and some of our history and, and the work ethic and just like everything else about it. Like that's Scotland is very Chicago. I love that. All right. So we're moving on to the heart. Yes. So, high, well, no, uh, first the square one with the orange flex. Okay. So Highland Park 12 years. So Highland Park is a weeded or is a peated whiskey. And it's made in the very old fashioned way. Where they're actually hand roasting all of the, the, the barley that goes in here. Uh, and it, but it's going to be very different. So you might have had Lagavulin or Lafroig or something from Isla before. And that, that peat is a very different flavor profile. And it, it's a little bit more on the medicinal side, some people say. And all the reason why is that peat is coming from Isla and it's mostly trees on Isla. Well, Orkney's so far north that there are no trees. There's no trees on the island. It's like all, tall grass is pretty much what you get. Uh-huh. So the peat is coming from Heather not from trees. So it gives a totally different flavor because you get that sweetness from the heather uh, versus the roughness and sharpness that you get from the trees. By the way, back in February, could you have ever imagined doing a tasting over a video chat like this? (laughs) I mean, talk about working around a problem or or finding your way through it. This is, technology impresses me. No, it does. Absolutely. Well, it's funny. It's, it's, we, we got, so originally I got these chocolates to do staff trainings and stuff for a a large chain. And then uh, we couldn't. (laughs) So I'm like, what do we, I'm like, let's just do tastings with them. It'll be fun. Why not? Okay. So, so Highland Park 12 year. And uh, the orange peel qualities of the Highland Park 12 year was the inspiration for this fine chocolate bonbon. It's a dark chocolate ganache and caramelized almond and orange peel nougatine. So this is my favorite one. Daniel actually made a bar of this for us too. <laughs> I can't even get it out. Hang on. 
Oh, this looks. Hmm. Is the awkward moment where people have to listen to us chew and swallow. <laughs> I'm trying to be respectful. I'm just glad we get to do a food show. <laughs> Tell me about it. All right. Tell me again the different notes that are in here, because that was definitely a, a different so flavor. You're going to get that that up front to me. The Highland Park 12 year starts with a little bit of that cinnamon. Same as the Glenrothes, but then you immediately the, the vanilla pops in for a second. And then immediately behind it, you get that sweet smell of the smoke and that yes. sweet peat coming in behind it. But that's, it's it's different that's, that's from special. the regular peat. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Okay. And then that, I, I take, take another and bite. the smokiness and the, the orange to me just really complement each other. Mm-hmm. Right on. Okay. Oh yeah, the orange. My God. This this is this is something. I've always been a chocolate orange fan. I mean, like the the old school Christmas chocolate oranges. My mom would throw in my stocking. Like, I've always been a fan of the that flavor combination. Yeah. So that, that sweetness in the in the Highland Park Twelve Year is uh, fantastic. Yeah. It's just it's a lot of people you know either feel one way or other about Pete. It's like black licorice, right? Either you like Lafroig and you like Lagavulin and those guys, or you don't like it. It's just, yeah. it's a th- it's like black licorice. It's it, there's nothing wrong with it. I like it, but other people don't. It's just a taste thing preference. Sure. But Highland park, we find a lot of folks who don't like Pete will drink the Highland park because of that sweetness. Yeah. Totally get it. So this is the 18, which is next. Uh, from eight from Highland Park, the 18 year old. This is probably my, fa- this is my favorite non McAllen product that we do. Uh, and just the balance of it, the peat just really mellows out to me. A lot of the, it just rounds out very well. Right. So and you start to pick up more of the sherry barrels. So one of the things that makes us different from other scotch companies is everything we do is m- not just finished in sherry, but matured 100% of its time in sherry barrels. It spends its entire life in a sherry barrel. So it never sees that ex-bourbon. Uh, and wow. the sherry flavors are you know, typically candied nuts, candied fruit. Uh, and you really start to pick that up in the 18 is that cherry flavoring combined with the bits of the, uh, the sweet peat and gotcha. All right. So I had that. And now I move on to the, the simplicity of the dark chocolate ganache. This is just straight ahead. Dark chocolate. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. The chocolate, it, you're right. Do you like a chocolate malt? Same same principle applies. Yeah. Same flavors. Wow. Uh, this is awesome. You want to come over? <laughs> I think post-COVID, we'll have to do a, uh, a little bit of a tasting tour. Yes. Can we go to Scotland? <laughs> I, I, 
I wanted, I was supposed to go to Scotland this year. All went up. Oh, what a, what a drag. <laughs> yeah. It, it's like being summoned home to the mothership, right? You've got to exactly. recalibrate, make sure that your, your vision lines up with the company's vision. I'm going to hang out at a distillery in Scotland for a week. Well, and they, they, so we just rebuilt the McAllen distillery and it's beautiful. And they, the way that they did it uh, in order to be somewhat eco-friendly is they built this giant wooden dome structure over the, the three buildings, essentially over the space. And then they covered them with grass. And that's cool. So it looks like it just, it just melds into the background. Like you can't even see it. It's like a hobbit town. Yeah, essentially. <laughs> but, cool. Ork- but Orkney is where I want to go, though. I, it's it's the ferry runs. The ferry gets canceled, they say, at least two to three days a week. <laughs> and the flights also get canceled two to three days a week because it's just really sketchy going in there. I, I would imagine that the distilleries are a huge source of tourist revenue for Scotland. They are. Absolutely. And Scotland's been hurting from it. You know, we... Uh, I know that that many distilleries have had to cut down in terms of their staff. Most of their tour staff is gone. Most of the tours are by appointment only at this point. Sure. Uh, you know, Americans aren't even allowed in Scotland right now. So it, it's that's tough. But, you know, Highland Park is affected a little bit less so just because nobody really went to Orkney that much to begin with. Right. But but Glenrothes uh, and McAllen definitely more so affected. That is tough. All right. So. In summary, for someone who's just looking to have a nice chill scotch to, to sit with tonight, the rest of the week, this weekend, uh, would the 12 be a good place to start? Glenrothes 12? I think Glenrothes 12 is a great place to start. Uh, it's light, it's fruity, it's approachable, it's super easy. It's a great way to go. If you want to get something a little bit more peaty, venture into the Highland Park 12. But if Pete's something that doesn't do it for you, the Glenrothes 12 is a great spot to be. See, I feel like the Highland Park would be more of a mass appeal like a scotch for people who think they don't like scotch. Yeah. In some ways it is. Cause you know, it, it's the flavor profile is a little bit more bourbon like, but I love the Glenrothes 12. I think it's super approachable. It's it's, it's when you look at the amount of people who drink Irish whiskey, especially in Chicago, I think Glenrothes 12 is a great way to like move on from the Irish whiskey. Not that there's anything wrong with Irish whiskey, but to, a great way to move on from some of the le- less expensive Irish whiskey shots that they may be doing to sipping a good, a good whiskey. Right on. Uh, Shree, I appreciate you doing this and uh, providing a little spooky folklore. I'm glad to be process. here. It, it's Ch- uh, it, not the, chocolate, ghost stories, Halloween. What goes better? Well, scotch. <laughs> Thank you for doing this. All right. Thank you.